Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Should we maybe, Jesse, will you close these doors? Maybe it's a little distracting for sound. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> we'll keep the live music for afterwards. Um, my name is Roxana. I'm the founder of Conscious Enterprises. So thank you so much for being here. Um, we are exploring the evolution of consciousness in business, and this is Conversations with Conscious Enterprises live at One Hotels. Um, Conscious Enterprises is an event series. We have an online digital interview series where I interview CEOs and business leaders about how they are using conscious policies in the work that they're doing. Um, and we have some really impressive business founders and entrepreneurs here today for our conversation tonight. We're based in New York City, but this is our first, um, it's Conscious Enterprise's first West Coast event, and it's really awesome to be here because I just love LA, and I really consider Los Angeles to be like the mecca of where wellness and conscious lifestyle really started in this country, you know? Um, and you're, you're starting to see that emerge um, in New York for sure with all the yoga studios and the um, meditation studios popping up. But most notably to me, it's really great to see big CEOs of big brands and big companies starting to integrate you know, wellness programs and just conscious techniques and conscious um, structure into everything that they're doing. Um, so it's really great to be here, where it all, I think, emerged. We are also here celebrating the launch of the brand new One Hotel West Hollywood. This stunning property is the first One Hotel on the West Coast, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with One Hotels, they are the first mission-driven luxury hotel brand inspired by nature, combining sustainable design with extraordinary comfort and unrivaled service. So for those of you, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you on the live feed and um, listening to this podcast episode, if you're looking for a place to stay in New York that's really beautiful and really conscious, this is definitely the spot. Um, it's like a luxury sanctuary amidst West Hollywood. They also have a zero waste restaurant called One Kitchen here and the Juniper Tree Bar, which is stunningly beautiful, where we'll all be kind of mixing and mingling after this talk. We have incredible speakers tonight. I'm so excited to get started with this discussion, but before I introduce them to you, I wanna get us all aligned and in tune with each other with an opening meditation, and we have Susie Yaloff-Schwartz, the founder of Unplug Meditation, to guide us. Thank you, Susie. Yeah. I think it's already. I on. think it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, hi. Hey, guys. Um, nice to meet all of you, and thank you so much, Roxana, for doing this. I think it's just amazing. You're so welcome. And thank you all for showing up, because that is huge. So, how many of you have ever felt stressed before? Raise your hand. All right, then you guys are all good. You're all my clients. Yeah. Um, so my mission is really to show you that stress is totally optional. And I know that you said you wanted it to be a two-minute meditation, but how, how would you feel about making it 16 seconds? Feel good about that? I'm from New York, so we like, a, we like to go for the impact. All right. So I'm going to show you how you can pause stress 
in 16 seconds. How many of you believe that I can actually stress you all out and then get you unstressed in 16 seconds? Raise your hand if you believe that. Yeah, okay, well, good. Because I speak with confidence, right? Everyone's um, no. a lot of faith in you. <laughs> all right. So let's all just begin by closing our eyes. Nothing's going to happen to you. We're just breathing, okay? So don't worry about that. Trust. Closing our eyes. And I want you to think about something that causes you stress. It could be the 4.05 at 5 o'clock. It could be anything else. This is your meditation. When you have that thing that causes you stress, I want you to raise your hand. All right, you can all put your hands down now. And just follow my instruction. I want you to breathe in through your nose to the count of four. Two, three, four. Hold your breath for four seconds. Two, three, four. Audible exhale out, I want to hear it. Two, three, four, and hold. Two, three, four. One more time. Breathe in through the nose for four. Hold for four. Audible exhale, I don't want to hear it. And open your eyes. How many of you were thinking about that thing that stressed you out while we were counting and breathing? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you were following along, you can't count, breathe, and think at the exact same time. So that is a pattern interrupt. Okay? You are interrupting the pattern. So you know, how many of you watch Game of Thrones? Okay, you know that scene where she's like on the dragon and you can see her getting so mad and then she scorches the village? Well, that's what happens when you get angry and it takes over your body. So what I just showed you is that you can pause in those moments of stress by just doing a 16-second breath. So I'm going to just do one more so we can calm down because I know we stressed everybody out. Close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. And I just want you to set the intention of how you want to feel tonight. How do you want to be? Not what do you want to do. This is your to-be list. And make a conscious decision to just really listen to these amazing people that are up here. This is going to be such a great night. And now place a smile on your face, even if it feels unnatural. And open your eyes. Thank you so much, Susie. That's great. Every time I do this, I feel like I need to find a way to like do the opening meditation before I have to talk. <laughs> because it really just, my big, well, the thing that I had to think about was sitting up here in front of all these eyeballs. So We have a, we have a public speaking meditation on the oh. Unplug Meditation app, which you all have seven days free. So you should do that one. I, I do it totally all the time. will look that up. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we have a great conversation about impact and introspection coming your way. Um, and these amazing panelists, thank you all for being here. Starting with Christopher Gavigan to my right. He is the founder and CEO of Prima, a science-driven luxury plant wellness platform focused on functional help, hemp, CBD, and botanical products. He was the co-founder and chief purpose officer of The Honest Company, which I'm sure everyone's heard about. He sits on the board of directors of Mount Sinai Hospital's Children Environmental Health Center, and he has a New York Times best-selling book called Healthy Child, Healthy World. Thank you for wow, being here. Wow, thank you. <laughs> 
Next to him, we have Kevin Peake, co-founder and president of Next Health, a health optimization and longevity center, which sounds like it's expanding to a few different locations, giving access to cutting-edge technology and advanced wellness programs overseen by medical professionals in a vibrant atmosphere. He was formerly the director of business development for CDS International Holdings, a billion-dollar private equity fund. Thanks for being here, Kevin. And then, of course, Susie Yalov-Schwartz, who we just heard from, is the founder and CEO of Unplug Meditation, the world's first drop-in secular meditation studio. Um, she's the author of Unplug, a simple guide to meditation for busy skeptics and modern soul seekers. She's the creator of Unplug, which is the guided meditation app, which I think we're all going to be trying after this. And she's a former fashion editor and makeup makeover guru that's been featured in Vogue and Elle, Mary Claire, and Glamour magazines. Thanks for being here, Susie. And of course, last but certainly not least, we have Luke Story, world-class biohacker, host of the Life Stylist podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. Everyone should be listening to that. He's the founder of School of Style, which was the world's first and only online fashion school for stylists. He's a motivational speaker and also a kundalini yoga and meditation teacher. Thanks for being here, Luke. So I want to kind of kick things off talking about conscious luxury, being at we're at this amazing one hotel. Some people might consider conscious luxury to be a little bit of an oxymoron, like how can you be conscious and, you know, how is, it, how is luxury not in excess? Um, but much of what I believe and much of what of the, wor the work we're doing at Conscious Enterprises is, and partnering with brands like One Hotels, is demonstrating that mindfulness and opulence are not mutually exclusive. So I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on how this relationship between consciousness and luxury can coexist. I feel like you should start this one, Christopher. All right. um, Thank you again for having us. Of course. It's, super, it's a pleasure. Um, gosh, when you first said, we didn't have any access to any of the questions, and everyone can nod accordingly. So I think it's a really good question because you put us on the spot. And thinking about that, uh, and as it hits me, how you marry consciousness and luxury, I, it, I go back to the source and the root of intentionality and the values and principles that you bring, and then also where you sourcing something. Where's the thing that we're talking that, that might be of luxurious nature? Um, is, it, is it the materials? Is it the, the plants, the decor? And um, I think it is a blend of the why, why are you bringing it in, and what is the meaning of it in a space or it in a moment of time? And then where are you getting it from and who is it either employing or who is involved in the sourcing of? Um, because I think it, they don't, they want to be mutually exclusive. Um, for instance, at the, the Honest Company, I, I get most excited about what's inside the bottle. Some people think, oh my God, you're a great brand and you've got great consumables and it looks pretty. Yes, the pretty is what attracts you, but if you turn the bottle around if you look at what's inside that's what's most important and where are you sourcing it from and who's accountable for that sourcing and how much is really in there that's going to matter and it, is it plant-based or petroleum-based and so all these little questions get broken apart at the small micro ingredient level and that goes for everything that we do um, 
and everything we touch and put in on and around our body. So that's what's coming up for me is, is the values and then the sourcing piece. How does that tie to being luxurious to you? Um, because I think when you put all that love and intention and, mm -hmm. and focus, then it becomes something of luxury. Yeah. And it, it doesn't ha luxury to me doesn't mean rich or expensive or has no monetary feel. It's for me, it's the depth and the the, the meaning and purpose inside of it. It's almost more of how you feel, how it makes you feel mm -hmm. if it's luxurious. And I think this hotel that we're at is a perfect example of you know consciousness and luxury intertwined in one and I feel as long as you're operating with integrity you know why put limitations on yourself if something's gonna make you feel good and you have integrity in how you're operating um, why not do it as long as you can still do good in the world and I, I do feel that next health is is a blend of that as well we have um, you know our facilities I think are, are very beautiful we put a lot of uh, time and effort in the experience when you come and visit our space um, the team members that are there the aesthetics the vibe, the energy. We want it to be the most amazing, incredible, premium experience so that people actually enjoy being there. And we feel that's a necessity for our business because we're, we're disrupting the healthcare industry is, is really one of our goals. Um, and we're a membership-based healthcare model, technically, so people are paying to have a membership to our facility and to engage with their health on a regular basis. And there's a reason that people don't go to the doctor's office more than once a year, it's because they hate the experience. So for us, it's a necessity that people actually enjoy being there. They feel great just being in the environment um, and it inspires them to come back and engage with their health on a regular and consistent basis. And that's what's going to enable them to really um, see massive improvements in their health. So that's how we, we intertwine the two. You really feel that when you go to Next Health. It's such a. Have you guys ever been there? It is one of the most beautiful. I see places. a couple of our members out there. Oh, Good wow, to see you guys. That's amazing. <laughs> um, well, for me, luxury means having access to the best, and you know, having worked at Vogue and Glamour for a very long time, I'm very interested in that. So for me, it's about curating the best teachers, the best contact content, having sound bath people who have the best bowls. And when you walk into our space, for instance, it smells good, and then everybody's smiling at you, and then you walk into the room, and you're just like, whoosh, it's totally set up. You don't have to lift a finger. My only intention is that you walk out feeling 10 times better than you did walking in, and you have nothing to complain about. That's luxury. Luxury is setting this bar so high that it's almost impossible to get less than a five-star Yelp review. <laughs> The first time, perhaps, in my entire life, I have nothing to say. <laughs> right when you said the question, I was just like, Whoosh. I just like like white noise when you are in between TV to channels. Yeah, I'm just gonna pass on this one. You don't want to talk about consciousness and luxury together. Um, no, all I might have to say, I podcasted also for like six hours straight today or something. So I'm, I might, you know, males have a finite number of words generally that they're able to speak during, um, you know, the average 12-hour day. I probably exceeded mine by five times. But I, I did kind of have the sense, um, I always go back to nature, right? It's like, to me, jumping in a 44 degrees river under a waterfall is as luxurious as it can get, you know, and really embracing um, the harshness of nature, but at the same time, the restorative energy 
that's offered there. And um, so to someone else, that could be like, oh, gross, it's dirty, there's germs. Like, oh, where's the chlorine? Uh, but to me, it's, it's, it's luxurious because of the sensation that's created. You know, it's the feeling that you're having or just being in the sun. It's like the difference between a one-star and a five-star resort it might just be the proximity to the equator in some cases, you know. So I think it's like a feeling that you have um, inside. And um, ideally, if you're someone who's making a business around an experience or a product or an offering, you want to be giving more than you're taking. And that includes also to the environment whenever possible, you know. So it's like simple things. Um, reusing things as many times as you can and all of that kind of stuff, you know, just it's um, I think being conscious of the big picture and what comes later and following the ethos of uh, leaving your campsite cleaner than when you found it, which is kind of my motto for all things in life relating to other relating to plants, animals and everything around us. Great. So See, there you got an answer. There's for having nothing. To <laughs> there <say>. you go. <laughs> Um, our next question is about imposter syndrome, which I think is so fascinating. Um, imposter syndrome is a psychological term um, that a lot of high achievers um, and high performance people tend to suffer from where they feel like, you know, how did I get here? Why did I get this promotion? Oh my God, they're going to find out that I really don't deserve, you know, to be the CEO or whatever this is. Um, so many entrepreneurs begin with the, their new businesses with this sort of fake it till you make it mode. I certainly have done that in New York City real estate for sure. Um, others defer to beginning something new until they've researched and planned and calculated risks. Um, so I'd love to hear, have any of you dealt with imposter syndrome and how have you overcome it? Let's start with you, Luke. I feel like you're going to have a good one like, for this. If anyone hasn't, they're lying. <laughs> you're disqualified because you're not honest. Man, I mean, this is something, you know, you're always working on, I think. And it's just to the degree that, for me, that I'm experiencing it, it can happen sitting here. Like, what? why am I here? And they're there. Like, what does this stage mean? You know, um, I think the key to escaping it is in the recognition that it's there and that it's happening, the awareness and practices like meditation that allow allow you to get an overview of oneself where you can actually be in a at least some of the time an observer position where you're sitting here and you go you hear a voice saying god do i look stupid right now why am i here that's got you until you see it for what it is and there has to be someone who's observing that phenomenon take place and this is for for me all types of negativity that might enter into my awareness, you know, whether it's judging someone else or judging myself, it's like having a judgment of any situation rather than just observing. So for me, the key is in building awareness and then also in dealing with the underlying trauma that got me to feel like I'm not worth shit in the first place, which is a very long conversation, but there's a lot of modalities <laughs> that are useful for that. You know, all the healing, all the breath work, all the plant medicines, all the therapy, all the 12 step, step groups, the Course in Miracles, the on and on and on and on, every sort of spiritual modality, healing modality that gets your psyche right and um, heals those wounds that cause those voices to become really loud and frequent, the ones that say you don't deserve to be here. So healing that and the underlying cause and then the observation of it. Sort of like when you, you, know, you hear a noise and you get spooked, right? And then you go and open the door and nothing's there. It's like you're not afraid anymore because you've seen it for what it is. It's a boogeyman. And the feelings that any of us have that tell us we don't belong where we are, we don't deserve what we have, um, are all boogeymen. Great. Love that. 
Um, for me, you know, I really had no business starting a business, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I stepped into that, and I owned that. And I remember talking to someone and saying, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. And she's like, don't worry. You'll learn as you go away, along. So I literally built this business because I am the most patient person ever. I built it so that I could go. And I wanted it to be for me. So I hired every teacher that I could actually like sit with. So it's always been that I want what I actually want, and everybody fortunately likes it too. So I, I, then I realized, oh, I, I started off when I started my business, I don't know anything. And I learned as I went along. And then I realized that actually it's the learning of all these different things that I had no clue about that's the part that I actually enjoy the most. That's been the most interesting. You know, when I started this, I never thought I was like the smartest person. I was definitely creative. But now I'm like, wow, I actually, I figured all this stuff out. Guess what? I went to University of YouTube. And that was that <laughs> University of YouTube and a suggestion box in my office are the two things that have guided my business. And it's great. Just listen to the customers and you will learn as you go along. And I think I was fortunate that I went through kind of imposter syndrome at a, at a young age. I, I started my first company when I was 14. I dropped out of high school. I was a kid lying about my age, running clubs in South Beach and doing events and all kinds of crazy things. And, um, you know, so I had to deal with that at a young age of always being around other people and trying to, you know, fit in and make myself, uh, you know, get to the point where I felt that I deserved to be there. Um, you know, until you kind of get to a point in life where you break through and, you know, I truly believe that every human is capable of accomplishing anything they put their mind to. And, you know, I, I think I have incredible parents who instilled that in me from a young age and always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and even with that, you still go through those challenges and I did for years. But I'm grateful that I had that earlier because now I find myself, you know, having dropped out of high school, but yet I'm running a medical company Never done anything with medicine before in my life, right? But you, you realize that you don't need to. I mean, you go to the school of, it's YouTube, the real world. I mean, I've had incredible mentors. I've been, for me, the world has been my classroom my entire life, and I love learning. I was just never able to learn in the traditional methods. Um, so I wanted to be out there and, and get my hands dirty and, and figure it all out. And you've got to be humbled, and you get humbled many, many, many times in life over and over again. Um, and it's through that humility, and it's through overcoming those obstacles to get to the point where you feel confident in who you are and have the abilities to know that you are worthy of doing what you want to do. So, yeah, I think it's, like Luke said, everyone deals with it. I, I really believe that. For me, I... I go back to my father. My father used to say, fake it till you make it. And my father was a hustler. <laughs> and I don't think he, he, it wasn't ill-intended. He just wanted the grind and the grit and the perseverance and that to come through all the time. And his intentionality of saying that, he always followed that up with be in service of someone and find that person or people or group or self that you feel that you can serve the best. And I, because if you, if you can gotta get out of that lizard brain mentality and think it's all about you and, and imagine yourself in service of someone else, it becomes less about you. 
you don't always have to think about yourself all the time because it sucks to be in your head all the time. <laughs> so I, for me and, and my career has, and just life in general, I love vulnerable populations. I love people in need. I love people who are, who we, that's all of us, by the way, including myself. We're constantly try, just trying to get better and improve every single day, just incrementally a little bit better. And um, early in my career, I spent a lot of it towards children, and in particular those that had some type of ailment or disease or were um, marginalized in some um, way or capacity vis-a-vis uh, -vis their health situation. And then now it has been, I've, I've evolved it from this protection and prevention area to how do we get people to thrive and prosper and how do we do that through, yes, through lifestyle management and choice, but it is about human connection and who you're with. And, um, and the, gr the greatest social toxin of our time, which is stress, right? And you brought that up immediately. That's, that's wreaking havoc, havoc on ourselves and our body and our brains. And if we can manage that we can, and manage relationship, I believe that we can have a really, really great life. And um, so we all deal with the imposter syndrome all the time. It's if you can be self-reflective enough to acknowledge that it's going to be just chatter and just ignore it because it's, it's really not that important. Thank you. Great answers, guys. So next I wanted to talk a little bit about health and wellness. Um, I've personally been recovering from like massive endocrine system disruption for the past few years. Um, and it's been a really challenging road back to finding balance in my body. Um, but through that process really is how Conscious Enterprises came about because all of a sudden I was digging into what is making my body feel like this? Why do I feel like crap all the time? Um, and how can I fix it? And so that's really what drew, drew me into, let's look at everything that I'm putting into my body and on my body and let's meditate and let's yoga and let's all do all these things. Um, so my question for all of you is, in your experience, how does your relationship with your body specifically affect what you are doing as an entrepreneur? Kevin, let's start with you. Sure. Um, I think the airlines had it right with put the, the oxygen mask on yourself before you help someone else. And you know, it's, if you're not able to take care of yourself, you're not able to have a relationship with yourself, love yourself, how are you gonna help and serve other people? Um, and a lot of people want to, you know, I think they're, they think they're being selfless by you know, not looking at themselves and just looking outwardly constantly, but you have to look inwardly if you're gonna be able to really service the world. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's a huge, I mean, you can't, you just can't do it. This is our canvas. This is our, how we communicate. This is how we inspire. Without this vessel, we're, we're incapable of really affecting people and affecting change. So, um, I think it's a must. I think you've got to start with yourself before you, you do anything else. Go ahead, ladies, first. Okay. Um, okay. So... I definitely am walking the walk on the meditation thing, but that doesn't help my butt. <laughs> and when you work a lot, sometimes you, I don't, I'm working in and I'm not working out as often as I should. So I just want to own that. Um, I definitely feel like great every single day. And I'm not working out that much. Why is that? Because meditation literally is like drugs. 
Now, I can't say that I'm not a doctor, but it changes the structure of your brain. So I don't feel stressed like other people feel it. I don't feel um, scattered like other people feel it. I can focus. I can actually connect with every single person in this room if I look at them and smile. I can make everybody smile in this room. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm really in touch with that part. But here's the thing. I'm lucky because having your own business is the most stressful thing in the entire world. So I get to go into the meditation room anytime I feel it. Or I get to press a button on my app. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that way. Yeah, the relationship to the body to me is, is interesting uh, as it pertains to business because I've kind of made a business out of learning how to take care of your body, you know, while at the same time on the other side of it, really becoming aware of the fact that I'm not my body and that I'm an, an entity, a consciousness that's riding around in a body, you know, so on the orthorexic, really obsessive, you know, have to have perfect health and just doing all of the things 24-7, it's kind of a distraction. You can get lost from doing the real inner work and focusing too much on that, but at the same time, if one lets themselves go and is drinking 40 Diet Cokes a day, that has aspartame in it. You don't want to drink that, by the way. Um, embedded command there. Um, or maybe you do. Maybe it's good for you. Who knows? But if one's totally ignoring the body, right, and just like, oh, I'm just going to meditate, then like I'm, I have a much harder time meditating, being a kind person, if I don't have the physical energy. And it comes down like mitochondria make you a nicer person. When you have cellular energy, it's much easier to not freak out. You know, so it's, um, for me, it's always kind of a razor's edge and finding the balance there of giving attention to the body, the spacesuit, the meat suit, making sure it's as taken care of as possible, but knowing that no matter how many fucking goji berries I eat, it's not going to make me enlightened, you know what I mean? <laughs> that there's inner work to be done, and, um, you know, it's doing emotional push-ups, it's doing physical push-ups, it's doing spiritual push-ups, it's coming to find a greater and deeper meaning in life, but also knowing, well, wow, I can't let this thing fall apart either because my soul's mission is to be here for as many years as I'm karmically destined to be here and to impact as many people as possible. So, you know, it's like, where is the fine line? Which for me, I don't know if I ever find because I'm so obsessive about health stuff. I mean, I can spend all day just like taking care of the body. I'm almost healthy. I'm almost there. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and so sometimes I have to just stop and get some M&Ms just to keep it real and bring myself down to, I do. Just like, chill, dude. Like, you're, you're going to die someday. You know, you can only be so healthy. <laughs> so um, I guess my answer in short is just is finding the balance, you know, between and, and doing my best to be fully integrated and being healthy on all levels, you know, as much as possible, which is usually the one that's hurting the worst, gets the most attention. That's great. Um, I, I, my relationship with my body has evolved um, really out of a... Uh, observation of my grandfather. My grandfather used to be a, he, he died at 92, but he was a ex-Navy, uh, they, they weren't special forces at the time, but he was an ex-Navy command awesome guy. And he used to be, he used to do handstands and wrap batteries around his legs and, and do sit-ups and push-ups and like he was as hardcore and strong as I've ever seen a human. And I was fascinated with that. that. And yet he didn't have the, the internal dialogue and the, that mental, emotional uh, thing to really express himself. So he was really locked up, but physically he was amazing. And I was fascinated with his physical form, 
but I was always confused and conflicted because I never could break in. And um, and I so I've been for my journey, I've been plant based for 23 years and and gone down a lot of different roads and paths. But one of the watershed moments that I had early in my career was someone asked me to do a, a blood panel. And they said, OK, let's look at all of heavy metals and phthalates and endocrine functionality. And let's look at what's inside your blood. Because the data point that really shocked me the most was the average baby born today has 287 synthetic chemicals coursing through their veins at the time of birth. So mom, not the healthy vessel, passing it on to baby, blood brain, excuse me, the placental barrier is not this amazing filter that one would have thought at, at the time. And so I did my panel and I was shocked and was horrified and I was saddened. I was like, oh my God, I've got to shift everything. So yes, pure and yes, clean, yes, better choice at the marketplace, but you can't shop your way around the problem. And so because we exist in a, a very pre-constructed synthetic environment. so. But you can do some things, and you can make some choices, and you can create some better behaviors. And so that was, for me, it was the accessibility, and let's take the science and let's boil it down and popularize it so it's accessible and normal and easier, especially for parents that go through that great moment of awakening, but equal parts moment of confusion um, and paralysis. They don't know who to trust and what to really do. And, and now in this new evolution with Prima, it's a, this brand new body system, this endocannabinoid system that we have in our body that 95% of all doctors don't even know about. It's like the skeletal system and the circulatory system, but what is it? A new body system only discovered 25 years ago in Israel? That's fascinating. And known to be the largest cellular receptor network inside the entire body, also fascinating. And mom is passing cannabinoids to her baby and but we call sup supplement too. So I want to crack that open. I've been doing a lot of partnerships with um, some institutions and, and really trying to, what's the real real? And what's, because there's a lot of snake oil in this CBD craze in the world. And there's a lot of people giving you claims that you should not believe. Um, so it, the integrity of any brand, any human goes down to the integrity of the science. What is this truth of the science? And what do you know? And what don't you know? And what are you studying? And so that's what fascinates me, and, and that's how I, I bring that back into my body and um, into my day. Perfect. Thank you. And if I could just add on that, I mean, we've learned more about the human body in the last five years than we've known in all of human history. Totally. So for people who actually care about this, I mean, I think we're living in the most exciting time ever. I mean, all of us here have made businesses out of helping people optimize their health. I mean, that's what we care about. I think most of you, all, everyone in this room cares about health optimization. And there really is a big movement happening right now um, for people to feel as good as humanly possible and have as much vitality as humanly possible because we recognize how important that is. You know, if you feel good about yourself, you feel good about your relationships, you feel good about helping other people. Um, and I would say that most people it's, it's pretty known at this juncture in life. I mean, very reputable people in science, in medicine, believe that we're on the cusp of some very meaningful breakthroughs in longevity. That in our lifetimes, we're gonna be living a lot longer than we were previously. So what are we gonna do to take care of ourselves? If we continue on the path that we're currently on, where we start aging at 40, 50, 60, by 70, well, the average lifespan for men in the US is what, 76, I think, right? So if we start 
breaking down at you know 50, 60, 70, but yet we're living on average to 100, even longer. Like we're gonna have a major problem in this world. We're not like nothing's gonna nothing's gonna make sense if we have such an elderly population that's not able to to produce. So we we owe it to society. We need to be able to to produce and to you know have healthy, vital lives. Great, thank you. So our last topic is about mindful leadership. One of my faves. Um, it's gradually becoming common practice um, in bi for business leaders today to strive towards mindfulness. Um, and it's not only to make people feel good, it's becoming monetarily lucrative. So, you know, you have CEOs like Mark Bertolini from Aetna, who is claiming to have saved like $3,000 per employee per year just by implementing a wellness program of yoga and meditation. You know, that's a lot of money when you have 50,000 employees. Um, it's a lot of money if, you have, if you're one employee, you know? Um, so how are each of you committed to mindfulness and consciousness for yourselves? And what are some of the benefits that you're seeing monetarily or not? I'd love for you to start, Susie. Okay. Um, well, okay, first I'll just start with myself. Every morning I wake up and I meditate. It's not negotiable. I don't take a vote. I just do it. When I take a vote, I don't do it and then it's not happening. So if you wake up, meditate, and then do everything else, it's gonna happen for you. So that's my number one, and I believe everybody should be doing that. How am I making money off of it? Wow, I'm making a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're the one person that's figured that out. <laughs> um, no, the truth is, is I'm gonna tell you guys something that I learned, and I want you to write this down. Story Brand. Have you, any of you guys read that book, Donald Miller? Okay, man, read that book, because that changed everything for me. Um, literally, I changed my website, I story brand it, and now we have companies constantly calling us, asking us to lead their meditation sessions inside of their companies. We've been to Google, we've been to YouTube, we've been to you know, JP Morgan, we've literally hit, I would say, at least 250 companies that you would recognize the names of. And it's beautiful, because it changes the culture of the company in such a big way. I know, I used to work in fashion where people would throw chairs at me. I'm not kidding. I, you, how many of you have seen The Devil Wears Prada? That was me. I was actually the Annie character in that movie. Um, so the best part about it is now you can't do that anymore. So you consciously listen to people and actually you accomplish so much more. We can teach people how to focus and how to be a little bit more productive instead of constantly just you know running around with their head cut off. So we're going into a lot of companies. We're doing one-week programs. We do eight-week programs. We have the app, and now the entire company is starting to do it. And now we actually just created a dashboard that we're going to be launching with Hyundai. And Hyundai will be tracking the meditations of all the employees and kind of seeing how they're progressing and seeing if it really works. Because there is one book called Mindful Work by David Gillies, and that's where you got the Edna study probably. He's from the New York Times, and he wrote that article. And it's just such a powerful, powerful fact that it does change the culture and it does make an impact on the bottom line. Thank you, Susie. Who wants to go next? I think that... Uh what makes businesses thrive is a combination of creativity and effectiveness. 
and nothing has increased my creativity like the ability to meditate and make it a non-negotiable daily thing on a good day twice a day um, today the afternoon one was five minutes but I did get my 20 in the morning but that that sort of slow or I guess it's a fast brainwave state whichever it is slow yeah um, theta you know is where you're in that dream state and you're thinking of ideas and this is where ideas come from that just don't exist when you're like, oh, I gotta get it done, gotta get it done. So this idea of like productivity is faster, to me productivity is slower because the creative inspiration comes from a slow state of being and a slow state of mind. So, you know, I've never had a business that's had more than maybe four or five employees. So I don't know from a corporate standpoint, but I know just as myself as an employer and as a past employee, that the more mindfulness I have in my life through meditation and just living a contemplative lifestyle where you're doing your best to be self-aware not only increases that creativity but allows the focus, as you were saying, to actually implement the creative ideas so they don't just go out the window. And again, it's like that balance of not being a total space cadet meditator that has great ideas and never does shit about them, but having great ideas and then having the wherewithal and the self-discipline that also comes from being mindful and meditating to say, okay, I'm going to write down a list of the things that I thought of and the steps that it's going to take to uh, apply them and get it done. You know, so I think the trend of mindfulness, you know, is amazing. And I hear people like in my community, like, oh no, everyone's meditating because it's like cool. And people making fun of people fake meditating on Instagram, you know, because if you're really meditating, like you wouldn't be like, yo, take a picture because you'd be meditating. Um, but I have a friend that used to like clown on people and I'm thinking, dude, that's great. Like that's cooler than here's my red Ferrari, dude. You know, like deriving one's social proof from, you know, a piece of metal is a little more vapid than one's social proof from like, hey, I'm doing my best to be spiritual. Being spiritual is cool. So I'm all for the trend um, of spirituality as it pervades our society because man, we fucking need it. Sorry for the language, but... <laughs> Honestly, have you guys looked around out there? I mean, it's like, whoa, just one more person that stops for five minutes and just puts their hand on their heart and takes a breath. Like those little micro habits that each one of us can develop not only help corporate America, help business, commerce, but just help in, in individuals, you know, and those people that are individuals that have offspring and then pass that along. So I think that we're at a place um, in time where we just we can't afford to not live like that, really. I just add one little quick thing. Please. Um, so <laughs> when I was being interviewed for a TV show, this woman said, well, aren't you, because Unplug is the world's first meditation studio, aren't you afraid you're going to turn it into mindfulness? And I was like, you know what? If everybody takes a bite, that's good, right? So I think it's, it's true. I fight that battle of, you know, I'm making it cool and making it trendy. But the truth is, I'm making the people who would have never done this before actually want to meditate. And that is what it takes. It takes packaging it sometimes in a different way because when I started doing it in 2012, it was incense, dirty rooms, guys in robes, talking like this and it was, I, I was out. I was like, there's no way. So, yes, I've repackaged it. I definitely have tr made it a little bit trendier. But I've made people who are lawyers, doctors, want to actually meditate. And that's my mission, is to spread it far and wide so that everybody can experience the benefits for themselves. Like, it's really helped me, and I hope 
you take that time. How many, a, a lot of you have never meditated before tonight. Now you're that you did the 16 seconds, you're in. But like, that wouldn't have been something that anybody would ever do. I just had to say that. Sorry. So true, so important. Who else wants to talk about mindful leadership <laughs> stuff? Um, I think mindful in the, in mindfulness in the workplace is, it's catering to, I believe the millennial generation is the first generation um, that we have seen that is demanding purpose and mission to be so evident and clear within the organization's structure and goals and that they are, they're demanding companies and business leaders to show up or they're just not gonna, they're not gonna show up and they're not gonna be involved in the brands. And it is, it's a, it's a seismic generational thing. And if you don't have that type of drumbeat of values and, and, and real ethos inside the brand, you're just not gonna get talent that you want in your building. I mean, there are talent wars as we speak. You, it's a hard time to retain great people. And mindfulness and these things that we're doing in order to get people to be better performing, are, it, that's our job as business leaders. Our job is to feed and lift up and give them the tools to become better humans. Um, and because if you aren't the best self, that emotional contagion and that, that, it, that pollutes the organization and people can sense it and feel it. Um, so unless you, ha you have it, you practice it, you do it, then your people will call you out and they will leave the building. I've, <laughs> and it's, I've seen it in organizations I've been involved with. I've seen it, I, I've fought it as a business leader with other co-founders and asking them to clean up their acts, like literally. Um, and it, it challenges organizations that don't have a core truth to it. And, and, and that's just living your mission, living your purpose, living, giving people transparency and access and ownership into that. So that's how I look at it. And I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, um, you know, in, in today with the job market being as strong as it is and as competitive as it is, and everyone needs uh, a sense of community in the workspace. I mean, the number one reason that people leave organizations is they don't feel appreciated. And the number one reason that people stay with an organization is because they have a friend that they work with. And incorporating mindfulness, incorporating you know, meditation, breath work, all of it, it transcends the, the, the traditional um, workspace and kind of gets everyone in touch on a, you know, just on a human level. It breaks down the hierarchy of what the business is and we're all like, we're leveling the playing field and we're all sitting here meditating together. Um, so I think it's, it's critically important. We, um, we incorporate it in Nextel periodically. We'll do, we'll do some meditation before we do team meetings. We're doing a sound bath coming up soon next month for like a big team experience that we're doing. Um, and it's just super important. We do these forefront talks every uh, uh, once or twice a month where we bring our community together. We like to incorporate a lot of experiences into it. And um, it makes a really, really big difference. And I think it just ties into uh, the mission and the purpose and people feeling like they're a part of something bigger. Great, such great answers. Thank you guys. Um, I think we have time for a couple Q&A questions. Do we have a mic back there, Danny? Jesse, you wanna grab that? Anybody have a, a question you'd like to ask? You guys all sort of talked about meditation or personal time or like spending time with yourself before you enter your workplace or your life or your day. What do you do? Is, is it sitting in a corner with your 
hands, you know, in, or is it while you're still in bed, or is it outside? I'm just curious, like, what you, each of you does, uh, and, and for how long, and how, how deep you go? Great question. Um, well, I, I do meditation, <laughs> and meditation is when you wake up, and you have your earphones <laughs> next to your bed, and I plop them in, and I click David G, and I'll meditate with him guiding me for 10 minutes. And I'm laying down, comfortable with my blankie on top of me. And I see it like, how many of you would not brush your teeth every day? Because if you didn't, you'd have no teeth, right? But if I don't meditate every day, I give off bad vibes. And it's, I need to clean my own energy before I expose it to the people that I'm with. Like, I have to send out good energy to a lot of people. So if I don't feel clear and let go of anything that doesn't serve me, then honestly, I like how many of you have ever felt when someone um, was in a really bad mood and you felt affected by it? How many of you have felt that feeling? Yeah. And how many of you have felt good when someone was like feeling really good around you and saying nice things? Okay, your energy matters. I think that's what I do. So for me, it's 10 to 15 minutes laying in my bed Rise, click, meditate. That's what I do. My uh, morning routine is uh, pretty extreme and would <laughs> put us here a no. very long time to go into detail on. But uh, I do Vedic meditation, which is a mantra-based meditation. It's a, sort of a sister um, practice to TM, Transcendental Meditation, same roots, kind of different type of organizational practices. But essentially, it's a mantra-based meditation. You sit comfortably with your back on something, just chilling like I am right now and repeat the mantra that was given to you by your teacher, which is a Sanskrit sound or word that you very faintly sort of echo in the recesses of your mind as if uh, there was a transistor radio playing in the dugout of a baseball stadium and you were in the bleachers, just that faint. And that has the net effect of sort of distracting the mind off of thinking. And then when you think, you just go, okay, thinking, that's fine. And you know, you just gently go back to the mantra. So that's the meditation practice. One of my incentives, though, is getting up and making a really potent uh, kind of bulletproof type coffee with perhaps like a microdose of psilocybin, some chaga, some reishi mushroom, some lion's mane mushroom, some shilajit, some MCT oil, some grass-fed butter, like a badass elixir. And that shit is in a hot cup waiting for me, and I won't drink it until I meditate because then, it'll, you know, I don't drink caffeine before I meditate. Otherwise, I'm not meditating. I'm sitting there thinking. And then I'll get on my uh, vibe plate, a vibration therapy plate before I meditate, and uh, a red light therapy by a company called Juve. And then I'll meditate usually with a couple other modalities going at the same time. So I'll have like a molecular hydrogen inhaler on with a cannula. And uh, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's lit. And then I'll use like a PEMF device, like this thing called a biocharger. So when I sit there for 20 minutes, basically what I'm trying to say is, I'll stack on as many things as I can that are good for me and make me feel energized or relaxed or whatever because I'm going to be sitting there on my ass for 20 minutes anyway. So I'm really big when it comes to health practices and even spiritual practices of stacking them. And then lastly, I'll say on some days I go do 90 minutes of kundalini yoga, which will include all kinds of different breath work, meditation, kriyas, mantras, movements. And, uh, and on those days, I typically don't do like a full 20 minute meditation. I'll just go have like a Kundalini yoga experience, which is fantastic. I go to a place called Nine Treasures on Sunset and Crescent Heights 
9 a.m. every day they have a class. It's amazing, very transformative. You don't have to wear a turban. You don't have to wear white. You just go do your thing. It's a very non-judgmental, weird-looking crowd. Um, so that's, that's, those are some of the things that I do. But the meditation or some form of it has to be there. Or I'm a dick, period. Like, I just can't be... I can't access that kind patient self as easier. And I'm just more like, uh, the email, just every, I'm more reactive and paranoid and just like have much more anxiety, much less creativity, lack of focus. So it's just like, it's my medicine. It's, it's my meditation is medication. I have a feeling you guys might have more simple, simple meditation well, well, I, or non I feel like a total imposter now, to, to be honest. And did you I'm know Luke is imposter. 94? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly working, Luke. Um, I, mine is, uh, I actually do a process called priming, but I'll be totally honest, I don't do it every day. If I did meditation, it would be sleepitation. If I'm, I, you know, I, I struggle with really like calming down and just getting in there. And I, I've taken two meditation courses actually, and I'm still working on making it part of my daily practice. But I do a priming process in the morning, uh, at least a couple of times a week, where it uh, starts with some breath work then goes into some visualization, um, things that I'm grateful for, goals that I'm going to accomplish during the day, people that I love, and, um, and then I jump into some quick physical exertion, do like 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, then I feel charged up and I attack the day. So my process is very much more active than passive. It is. I stole it from him. <laughs> Mine's exactly the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> my mine. Uh, so I have four kids, and so I either if someone's not with me on my mat, I am. Um, I'm doing Sam Harris's. So by we'll do yours now. I am doing Sam Harris's app. Waking up. Uh, he's got a really great one. Um, so you check that one out. But he's also started a new one called Meta. Well, it's not new, but he's opened up this part of it, the app where it's well wishing. So you're thinking about others and you're wishing them well and then you're bringing it back into you as well. And so you're, it's a, a nice transference of emotional contagion moment. Yeah, meta. And so I, um, but mine is not every day. And I do notice a difference when I don't meditate or when I don't just take the time from just yourself. And again, it, can't, it doesn't have to be meditating. It could just be, I'm gonna do some sit-ups, I'm gonna do some stretching, I'm gonna just chill mm -hmm. and set intentionality and I'm grateful for the sun or whatever, just a gratitude moment. And I, it, it could be four minutes and it, it's a much better moment, morning and day. And I, the gratitude component of it is just so incredible because it's so easy. Every single day we're frustrated by everything that happens. But when you, when you start with gratitude and you actually appreciate the little things and the key in mind what I do is I always, I, it's easy to be grateful for the big things in life, your parents and the sky and the, you know, all of the stuff. But if you're grateful for a smell and for you know, the way someone makes you feel or someone's skin or things like that, it really brings it down to reality because otherwise you're just waiting for these big moments to happen rather than finding gratitude in, in everything, just, just being here in, in the moment. Can I just add one thing? So that's called crisis meditating. So crisis meditating is when like, a crisis shows up and you, you go. You know, I'm expecting it to go away. 80% um, of meditators are crisis meditators. 5% 5 um, are like serious meditators and the rest are like they try it and they're out. So it's something that's so we're an imposters, interesting thing. like I said. <laughs> yeah. I, I own it. You know, you know what? You're not a poster. You're a crisis meditator and that's fine because it helps you in those moments of crisis. But when you actually do it every single day, those crises don't pop up as often. 
that's and so that's weird. the cool thing. So that's and when you're talking about the gratitude thing, you find yeah. that not just the, the smaller things you've become grateful for, but you start becoming grateful for the things that actually pissed you off in the beginning. Like the things that, you're, like getting in a car accident, you're like, I'm so glad that you cut me off because it showed me patience today or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I have a very deep meditation practice myself, like 40 minutes every day, every morning, non-negotiable, otherwise, the endocrine system, I'm telling you, it does something. I have to hit that, I don't know what it is, delta, theta, wave, whatever that state is. I have to th hit that every day or things just don't function. My brain gets really foggy. I start feeling just out of it. So, yeah, it's a non-negotiable for me, for sure. Um, I think we have time for one more quick question. Do we have one more up here, up front, Jesse? You want yeah, just for the for the uh, audio, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for all the insightful answers. I really liked them. So my question goes into a little bit, does any of you practice neurofeedback or do you use any devices that might enhance your meditation? Like I know there are a lot of apps out there, but there are a bunch of med uh, meditation devices that are starting to come out that either help you get into theta state quicker and stay there. Have you ever researched around with that? I mean, I'm sure you did, because you have two of that biohacking nailed down. It's really cool. So just wondering, where do you think it's going? Do you think we have more devices that are going to come out that will track your brain on a personal user level, other than having to go to a doctor or whatever uh, lab? Yeah, I would also just like to say, you know, a lot of people have mentioned apps, and I think um, apps are a really great way to learn to meditate. Um, for many years, I always used, like, they were cassette tapes back in the day, but I would always use guided meditations because I didn't have a technique, you know what I mean? So that's an, even a technology that one could use, but to your point more specifically, there's really cool things coming out. There's a device called a Muse headband, you know, that gives you some biofeedback, right? And it's a way that you can gamify your meditation and make it better. I use like a ring, I don't have it on, but to track my sleep, right? And so every day I get up, I'm like, ah, oh, I got an 89, yes, you know? And so I, I, like, I don't like having Bluetooth on my head. That's the one thing I would like to change about that personally, but I'm just psycho about EMFs. But, you know, ways that um, we're able to quantify kind of the success or depth of our meditation, I think for certain personality types will help with compliance because you can see yourself making gains, right? You're getting better at it, not like there's a better meditator um, than others. And sometimes a really busy meditation is amazing. You, you need to get those stresses out of your psyche. And a lot of thoughts in a meditation can be profound, just like a really quiet, chill one. But when an, another technology is a float tank, it's a really great way to induce a heavy-duty meditation if you can handle it, you know? And there's also supplements you can take, you know, um, that also help chill you out, too. Some of them natural, some not. Um, I mean, I don't mean illicit <laughs> drugs, but it's nootropics and things like that, right? Like, just that chill you out. Um, neurotransmitters, GABA, you know, that kind of thing you can do. Um, and then neurofeedback, I've used a lot clinically to help with sleep and anxiety and depression and things like that. And it does have a net effect of making your meditation uh, deeper and more accessible even when you're not in the neurofeedback because you get a sense of what the different brainwave states actually feel like experientially and subjectively. And then you can kind of like guide yourself a bit when you're having a disciplined practice at home. So yeah, there's a lot of fun things coming out. 
So for those of you guys who don't know, the Muse is actually a band you put on your head. And when you're having like a lot of thoughts, it sounds like a storm. And when you're having, um, you're in the state you're supposed to be, it sounds like a river or like a light rain. And it's kind of interesting. I've actually experienced that for the rear end. They have these cushions now that you can sit on. And then afterwards, you can look in an app and see, you know, <laughs> they sent your butt. I, I don't know, but they wanted me to try it. But in Canada, they're doing Muse classes now um, at one of the studios that I went to go visit. And it's cool. There's a lot of cool things. I personally don't do it because it makes me think too much. Am I, I in the right state? Am I not in the right state? And that's not why I'm meditating. I'm meditating to just shut it down. But I do think it's very cool. I just, for me, it's not my practice. And I think we're at the tip of the iceberg for, for what's coming out. We just did a forefront talk at, uh, at Next Health. Were you, you were there for that, right? Yes. It was a, um, a mind travel experience. So everyone put on these headphones, and then we had this guy who um, took everyone through Peter. Opperman, yeah. He teaches it unplugged, by the yeah, way. Yeah, could, exactly. It's called brain massage. Yeah, we did a brain massage experience, and it, you know, it was incredible. It's utilizing, it's harnessing technology along with, you know, meditative practices to put you into a deeper state. Um, and there's more and more of this coming out. Where, and in addition to just technology, I mean, there's more organizations being developed around it. Where, you know, there's the Peak Brain Institute in in Santa Monica, where we're approached by a lot of companies that are emerging that are, you know where people can go into these centers and have a much more extensive neurofeedback experiences and like brain training experiences. So there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of that coming out, which is great. Any devices? <laughs> Any hacks? <laughs> keeping it natural, keeping yeah, it real. Sleep is the only neurofeedback hack I have. <laughs> all right, so I think that's our time. Thank you all so much for coming out and making such a great first event in LA for us. Um, thank you, all you panelists. You were amazing. I love this conversation. Thank you to the One Hotels. Um, and uh, thank you to Boochcraft Kombucha, Flow Water, and Sound Sparkling Tea, and Go Macro for our little bevs and bites here. Um, I hope everyone comes and joins us. We're going to be in the Juniper Tree uh, bar area for a little mix and mingle. And we have little cures. Um, Brendan is here. He's going to be doing essential oil hand massages if anybody wants one. Um, thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. Great job.